Art is defined as the expression or application of human creative skill and imagination, while censorship is defined as the suppression or prohibition of any parts of books, films, news, etc. that are considered obscene, politically unacceptable, or a threat to security. If art is created in order for one to express their true thoughts, feelings, opinions, etc. and present those to the world, then isn't censorship of art counterintuitive? Today we are going to be getting into some of the issues sur surrounding book bans in the current world and in history. My name is Taylor Knight and I am a senior at Jordan High School. Um, my name is Katie Corvera and I am a junior. This podcast is presented by Jordan Innovation Lab. When I decided to make this podcast, I didn't really know much about book bans. I've, I read a lot, so I thought I should know more about it. Um, but, like, there isn't a ton of awareness around book bans and what they actually are. And it's semi-intuitive. Like, book bans are books that are banned from libraries and public institutions. But um, I didn't realize how far back the issue went. So when I was researching, I found out one of the first recorded instances of a book being banned before it was tagged um, book bans was um, in 259 um, BC when the Chinese emperor Shi Hong, I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, buried 460 Confucian scholars alive in order to control the way history was being recorded at the time because he wanted the world to believe that he was the beginning of history. He was the beginning of the world. And um, he went on to burn all of the books in his kingdom, hoping to destroy all evidence of history before his existence. So, I mean, since then, book bans, I feel like, are not quite as dramatic. Yeah, for <laughs> like, sure. that's kind of <laughs> yeah. um, a big thing. <laughs> but it's just, it's fascinating to me that so many years later, we're still dealing with this topic. Yeah, and that it went back so far. Like, I didn't know it went back that far. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of the first recorded instances of a book being banned in the United States was um, in 1637 when Thomas Morton published the New England Canon, which was banned by the Puritan government as it was considered a harsh, this quotes, harsh and heretical critique of traditional Puritan customs and power structures. Yeah, it's just like... Like, I can't really comprehend that it went, like, back that far. And, like, right now, we're not, like, burying people alive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're just, like, not allowing people to read these books, mm -hmm. which they should be reading because mm -hmm. they mostly ban books that deal with actual real-life issues, mm -hmm. and they want to censor that because mm -hmm. children shouldn't be learning that at such a young age. Eventually learn it, and if they learn it now, it can give them, like, more to realize about it. Last week, I read a post by Jody Pickle, um, who is the author of lots of bestsellers. Um, she's been around for a long time. And one of her books, um, 19 Minutes, was recently banned because of its contents related to school shootings. And this is quotes. This is what she said. The objection to my book is that it is too adult and that kids haven't lived enough of life to figure out its themes. And yet they are old enough for active shooter drills and actual school shootings. Which, I mean, that's, it's wild to me that right now the United States is focusing so heavily on banning things like books and social media and TikTok and abortions when, like, kids are dying every day because of school shootings. And they're banning the books related to the content. If children cannot read about school shootings but can experience them, I don't understand how we're not seeing the problem here. Yeah, they're not going for the main thing mm -hmm. that is causing the problem. Yeah. Yeah. 
trying to work their way around it. Yeah. Um, I'm Rebecca Stacy. I'm one of two librarians here at Jordan High School. I've been with the district for about 13 years now, um, and I've been at Jordan for five of those. Mm -hmm. um, I used to do public libraries. I worked in Wake County Public Libraries, but moved to school libraries and really, really love it. Mm -hmm. um, I've served both middle schoolers and high schoolers. Um, and one of the things that I've most enjoyed when I've come to Jordan is we've had this this is probably not, this is way too much information about me, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I but, love it. But we've had, over the past several years, we've had in publishing such a groundswell of supporting authors of color, mm -hmm. authors of um, different genders, authors of different perspectives, that traditionally has not been there. Admittedly, it has been a very white field. Mm -hmm. um, so like, we're seeing all sorts of science fiction and fantasy by black authors, which is something that I never saw very much of, at least when I was growing up and in my time during the libraries. Is it much different being a school librarian for high schoolers than it is for middle schoolers? It is a little bit. As a librarian, our sort of mantra is every book for every person. So the right book for you, the right book for you, you know, according to the reading level, according to the interest, um, we want to match somebody with something that, that is meaningful to them. Mm -hmm. um, and in fact, I actually pulled out our media coordinator responsibilities. Um, so we do, we develop and maintain a current collection reflective of our, of our student population. Um, and that's really important to me here at Jordan because mm -hmm. again, like our collections and libraries in the past have tended Mm -hmm. to be more about what the publishing industry could give us as opposed to what um, was representative of our students. Yeah, I saw one of the books that you have on display. It was uh, something about a quinceañera, mm -hmm. which I like never really see, but I think it's really interesting because my whole family is Hispanic, so um, I'm very familiar with the topic, and so there's not really many books that are about it. That one is a really good one and has gotten such great reviews. Um, they have done it for, I believe, the middle school battle of the books before, um, which, yeah, and the kids have loved it kind of universally. Yeah, yeah. it is a good book. And um, yeah, we've definitely been able to have more books about Hispanic culture mm -hmm. um, and our Hispanic per perspectives, which I think is so important. So we've already covered some of the history of book bands. We have not gotten to, I mean, we've gotten a little bit to it, but um, how book bands are still affecting the world right now. And I was wondering, I think you know a little bit more about this than I do, about the North Carolina Parents' Bill of Rights and how that's affecting, like, our society locally. Sure. Well, I will say that just, like, across the nation, we are experiencing, like, a huge uptick in... Um, challenged books that are challenged or books that ultimately wind up banned. In fact, I pulled up the ALA information on that and we had something like, oh yeah, in 2021 there was 1,500 individual book challenges, which is a huge number. Um, and most of the books that were targeted were ones that were either by or about black people or by or about LGBTQIA people. So it seems like it's very targeted, mm -hmm. uh, the book bannings that we're definitely seeing today. Some of the things that I worry a little bit about in the Parent Bill of Rights is we do have students that want to read things about themselves that they may not have actually shared yet with their parents. Um, and as librarians, we want for students to have access to the materials that they want and that they need and that will support them. And providing parents with complete access to the books their children are checking out 
does not give the students the sort of privacy that I, I at least would like for them to be able to have. Um, because we are public schools, you know, parents have the ability to see what their kids checked out. Mm -hmm. um, but in general, particularly when our students get to high school level, it seems really important for you to be able to explore all sorts of different topics, all sorts of different perspectives, and not worry about necessarily repercussions for reading. Because yeah. as librarians, we always want to promote freedom of reading, mm -hmm. um, freedom of being able to access all sorts of information. That is like, that really is like kind of our jam. Yeah. Just to clarify, the North Carolina Parents' Bill of Rights, it will grant access for parents to see whatever their children check out from their school library. Correct. How does the topic of book bans, how does it affect your job on a day-to-day -day basis, or does it? There is a certain amount of freedom being in Durham, North Carolina, yeah. because our folks tend to be a little more open and less restrictive. But I have, and I, whenever the banned books list comes out from the American Library Association, I normally track it down and check to see if I've got everything that's, you know, appropriate for our students. But I, I will say that seeing what's happened in Florida and other states, it has had a little bit of a chilling effect on me. Like I've found that I've been, I spend more time sort of evaluating the materials that I think someone might not like. But again, if I feel like it's going to serve a student, I think it's important for us to have that book in our collection. Mm -hmm. But definitely a chilling effect sort of across mm -hmm. the board. Um, I work, I meet with other high school librarians and, and kind of across the board, we are all sort of feeling that way. Yeah, I, it's interesting that you mentioned Florida. Um, I read a post um, by Jody Peekle mm -hmm. the other week about her book, 19 Minutes, mm -hmm. and how it was recently banned because of content related to school shootings. And right. It's just wild to me that we're focusing so hard on banning content and not banning the actual issue. That is very, very true. Um, yeah, and that's such a great book. Yeah. I haven't read it yet, but I'm going to now. Right. It's been out for years. So again, they're coming after books that have been mm -hmm. around and have been explored. Um, and I personally believe that what you read isn't going to harm you long term. Um, it might expand your worldview. It might challenge your worldview but you will walk away from something that you experience a little bit better, mm -hmm. or maybe a little bit worse, but I don't think anything's <laughs> gonna harm anybody. Where do you think we'll be in two years with this topic, with this issue? Um, do you think the issues around book bans are projected to worsen or to get better? I am concerned that they're going to continue to worsen as we have legislatures like ours who are targeting our LGBTQIA mm -hmm. students um, and denying them access to things that they need. I worry that that will continue to trickle down into all aspects of our society, which will make parents who may have views different from me uh, want to prevent other students from reading a book that they just don't want their kid to read. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important too. Just because you don't want your child to read it shouldn't mean that no other child in that school should read it. Because again, parents are different. Parents have different expectations and hopes for their kids. Yeah. It is interesting living in a red state, but in a generally liberal area just because I hear I hear a lot outside of the triangle mm -hmm. going on but um, I don't know yeah just side note <laughs> no, no, I, I love Durham I've lived here for mm -hmm. more than 20 years but it is a little bit of a bubble mm -hmm. um, when I travel I my parents live in Georgia when I travel down through South Carolina and Georgia yeah. 
I definitely feel that I'm not in my bubbles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, the bubble isn't very large. No. <laughs> Do you think age appropriateness is a valid reason for banning books? I struggle with that question. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a really good question. Um, because, you know, for elementary school students who do, let's say, have a very wide reading level, I mean, you've got, you know, you've got fifth graders who are reading at a high school level. Mm-hmm. But as the librarians, we do try and be mindful of the content that our students are experiencing. But it is also hard because, like, in my heart, I'm like, oh, yeah, just read what you want to read as long as you can read it. Um, but I do recognize that we are, again, serving our students and um, looking to represent them. But if I had a elementary school student who wanted a book that was maybe skewed a little bit older, I would probably look into getting that book for them. Um, I get a lot of books in for our students that they request, and there have been occasionally times where I have chosen not to add something to the collection because it's been just a little more, had a little more adult content than I personally felt comfortable with, and my moral compass skews very leftish, admittedly. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we do, we make those hard choices, and I don't always feel comfortable where I come down. And I would also say that because of all the book banning, I tend to err on the side of of not providing as much access as I would like. Yeah, thank you so much for talking with us. Thank you for talking about a really pressing subject right yes, now. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Thanks. Cool. Thank you. We hope that this podcast has brought a little bit more awareness and has been informational for you. And we thank Miss Stacy again for talking with us. We hope that this topic gets discussed more because it definitely does need to be yeah yeah definitely all right well thank you for listening (laughs) um yeah bye